Memorial Health System provides compassionate, patient-centered care with some of the most advanced technology and treatment options available in healthcare today. We proudly present Memorial Health Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. People with diabetes may have an increased risk of developing a thyroid disorder. How do those two connect? My guest here to tell us about this today is Dr. John Blake Epling. He's an endocrinologist with Memorial Health System. So, Dr. Epling, I'd like to start with a little background on diabetes for the listeners. What happens when we eat, and why do we need to understand insulin and blood sugar and hormones? Why is that important to know? So, in a normal situation, uh, if you are not, it's important to understand the physiology. If you aren't diabetic, that helps to understand the problem when you are diabetic. So normally when you eat uh, and you start to digest foods in your stomach and break down carbohydrates that are in food, uh, your stomach and gastric acid will break these things down uh, into more simple sugars, which are then uh, released into your bloodstream. So as your body starts to notice that your blood sugar is rising, specifically your pancreas, it will increase uh, the insulin production uh, to try to bring your sugars down and keep it within a normal range. Uh, so that's just the gist of what happens in a normal physiology situation. Now, if you're diabetic, um, your pancreas basically uh, in type 2 diabetes cannot keep up with uh keeping your sugars regulated. So despite it making more and more insulin, uh, it still can't keep your sugar in those normal ranges. Okay, so we understand a little bit about the pancreas, insulin resistance, it can't keep up is what you're saying. So how do we tie the thyroid into this? What does the thyroid even do? Uh, so thyroid hormone um, actually affects every cell in your body. It controls your metabolism for everything. Uh, so specifically hypothyroidism, which is low thyroid hormone levels, um, it slows your metabolism. So if you slow your metabolism, you don't utilize insulin as well, and you it makes it even more difficult for your pancreas and your body to bring your sugar levels down. So then explain a little bit about the effect of thyroid issues. If somebody is told that they are diabetic, type 2 diabetes, how do a thyroid that's not properly functioning have an effect on diabetes management? So um, it depends on which type of thyroid problem you're having. So if your thyroid is underactive, which is hypothyroidism, again, that will slow your metabolism and it can make you less sensitive to your own insulin or even the insulin if you're taking insulin. So to have your thyroid hormone replaced to an adequate level, uh, that's very important. So you're kind of fighting a losing battle if your thyroid hormone set point doesn't have your metabolism at a normal range already. So, you know, you have your thyroid levels need to be normal so that um, your body metabolism uh, is able, you're, you're giving your body the best chance to take care of your blood sugars. Now, is this the same? I know we're generally talking about diabetes type 2, but in diabetes type 1, which is an autoimmune disorder, is there more of an increased risk of developing something with the thyroid? Yes, yeah, so definitely. The most common thyroid disorder is Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Uh, most people that have low thyroid levels, such as take uh, levothyroxine or Synthroid, they actually have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. That's the name for it. A lot of them haven't been told that, but that's an autoimmune disorder. So your immune system has reacted to something in your body as abnormal when it shouldn't have. So it's kind of an aberrant, incorrect response. 
Um, and patients that have any autoimmune disease, so that includes Hashimoto's, they are statistically more likely to have another autoimmune disease. Uh, so patients that have type 1 diabetes, that is an autoimmune disorder. So those patients are more likely to have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, Crohn's disease, psoriasis, any of those issues. And vice versa, uh, patients with Hashimoto's are more likely to have any of the other autoimmune pro- problems than the general population. So if somebody knows they have type 1 or type 2, should their thyroid function be evaluated every year or so? And who would they go to have that done? Yeah, so a primary care doctor can check those. Um, I definitely, uh, in type 1 diabetics, I check their thyroid function tests every year. Again, because statistically they're more likely to have thyroid disease than the general population. Um, and it seems clin- from clinical experience, type 2 diabetics have more hypothyroidism also. Um, I usually do more uh, patient-specific or symptom-specific uh, monitoring in type 2 diabetics. So I'm not going to check their thyroid function tests every year just for surveillance. Um, but if they seem to be having symptoms suggestive of a thyroid problem, uh, I will check them quickly usually, more than I would the general population. So you just said, Dr. Epling, symptoms suggestive of a thyroid problem. What would those symptoms be? So um, we'll just start, again, it depends if you're low thyroid level or high thyroid level. They're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. And if you think about the thyroid controlling metabolism, um, that, that's kind of the easiest way to understand. So if your hormone level that controls metabolism is very low, so hypothyroidism, uh, then things slow down. Everything slows down. Patients are constipated. Um, their blood sugar is more difficult to control. They usually feel cold. Uh, so, you know, in a room where everyone might be wearing a T-shirt, they might think, oh, my gosh, I, I wish I had my jacket. I'm freezing cold. I'm having chills. Uh, and then a lot of nonspecific hair, skin, and nail problems also with thyroid issues, um, with low thyroid. So the uh, conversely, if you do um, high thyroid levels, so hyperthyroidism, which you might get with something like Graves' disease or toxic multinodular goiter, that would be when the thyroid hormone level is too high. Uh, so your metabolism gets too quickly. Uh, those patients often have uh, unintentional weight loss, sweating, they're feeling hot all the time, difficulty sleeping, uh, irritability, those sorts of things. Can symptoms of thyroid conditions be sometimes confused with some of the symptoms of diabetes or attributed to other circumstances? Uh, Yes, I mean, for sure. So generally, like fatigue, uh, there's a higher rate of depression in type 2 diabetics. Um, Those types of issues, they they can definitely be confounded. Um, So, you know, you can only determine those with lab tests. Yeah, some of the symptoms are overlapping. So what would you like people to know if they are someone who's lived with diabetes their whole life? If they're type 1, they've had it a long time, they've had to learn about managing it, there's a lot that goes into that autoimmune disorder. But if they're type 2 diabetics, what would you like them to know about watching for some of these symptoms of thyroid and and keeping an eye on their metabolism so that they don't exacerbate their diabetes? Yeah, I mean, if you have these symptoms of hypothyroidism and you're diabetic also, obviously you should be tested. So primary care doctor can do that. If you're seeing an endocrinologist, they can do that. Um, But any of the symptoms I mentioned, uh, if you have those, we will be prone to test you more quickly than the general population for a thyroid problem. 
And and what about pregnant women? If gestational diabetes is that a thing as well? Uh, definitely, it's a thing. Um, gestational diabetics uh, they have a higher risk for type two diabetes in their lifetime. Uh, so sometimes it, we kind of look at it like that was the warning signal. Like um, whenever a patient is pregnant, if they're diagnosed with gestational diabetes, which we have specific tests to diagnose that. But it's kind of like an endocrine stress test when you're pregnant. Uh, so if we find out when you're pregnant that you could just couldn't maintain your sugars in a normal way, that your pancreas just couldn't keep up with the insulin production, or you became so insensitive to insulin that you just couldn't keep your sugars normal, that's a sign that uh, you're statistically more likely to have type 2 diabetes in your lifetime. And you should probably just go ahead and take the all the precautionary measures of lifestyle modification and diet mo- modification like we would for a diabetic. Uh, we would obviously screen you um, frequently if you have gestational diabetes. So you move into a more high-risk category for type 2 diabetes at that point, and we would test your A1, the diagnostic test for diabetes like hemoglobin A1C and fasting sugar. We would check those every one to three years. And as a wrap-up, and we're talking about diabetes and thyroid disorders, kind of putting them together in the risks and symptoms. What would you like listeners to take away from this as far as keeping a healthy thyroid, knowing the symptoms that could come along with diabetes or be uh, an adjunct with it? And what would you like them to know about healthy lifestyle to hopefully prevent diabetes in the first place? So as far as the thyroid with diabetes, um, again, we do, we do think there's some relationship between the two. Um, being the diabetics seem to be more likely to have thyroid disease. Uh, we usually go looking for thyroid disease in diabetics. I mean, I will screen up front with every patient I see to make sure they don't have a thyroid problem. Um, but after that, it's mostly symptom-based, or if we're, if it's really just not making sense, if the patient's doing everything that they can to control their diabetes, they're compliant with medications and, and uh, lifestyle modifications, and we still don't have things controlled, uh, if it just seems like it's just too difficult, like there must be something else at play, then obviously I will check it at that time. Um, so that's what I would say about that. As far as... Um, lifestyle um, and diet modifications or to prevent diabetes. Um, anyone with an A1C between 5.7 and 6.4 on screening labs, that is pre-diabetes or borderline diabetes or a fasting sugar between 100 and 126. Uh, now, we usually have to repeat those tests, so we usually have to have two tests that are abnormal. But if you're in the pre-diabetic or borderline diabetes category, um, there's a lot of misinformation about that. Most patients just don't do anything about that or they aren't instructed to do anything about it. Um, but it's really important at that time to think about prevention. Uh, and the best way is with uh, diet. So we go ahead and tell people to do diabetic diets. So try to limit your uh, snacks to 15 grams of carbohydrates or less. Uh, emphasize fiber and complex carbohydrates, and then no more than 40 to 60 grams of carbohydrates with meals. And then obviously try to get on some sort of exercise regimen, um, three to five days per week, at least 30 minutes. But if I can, I get whatever I can take. So if a patient will do anything, uh, I just try to get them to do that, and it usually helps. And then the, the last thing I would say that people usually underestimate, even minimum weight loss, um, if you could lose five or 10 
pounds and you're pre-diabetic, that seems to delay things drastically. So just a little bit of weight loss makes you more sensitive to your own insulin and seems to delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. It's great information, and thank you for coming on with us today and kind of explaining for us very well how these could be related and symptoms to watch out for, because that's what's so important for listeners to hear, and that's what they're always interested in, is what should I be on the lookout for? And such great advice. Thank you again, Dr. Epling, for being with us today. You're listening to Memorial Health Radio with Memorial Health System. For more information, please visit mhsystem.org. That's mhsystem.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.